0: Also, thank you for, uh, for coming by way of Motorboat today uh, to be here in our service. I looked out this morning, and I saw it look like we were a city surrounded uh, by this. But thank you for being here today. And, uh, and also, one other thing I want to tell you about before we hop into today. Uh, I've, got some, uh, I've got some neat ideas. Obviously, here in HD, uh, we, we have our band that, that we have a lot of neat things. Uh, they're going to but uh, in our in our blended service uh, we have a we have a choir and uh, i've got some neat ideas for our choir and uh, some some different things and uh, and some of you that uh, that are part of this service who would who would like to come and hear about? If you'd like to be in a choir, if you've got musical talent, but this you like this service better. But if you'd like to hang around for about 15 minutes uh, for another service and sing in a choir, uh, I know a lot. That's not for a lot of you, but I'm not talking to a lot of you. I'm talking to those of you who would be interested, and uh, I'm going to meet with you personally uh, Wednesday night. Okay, down in the choir room, uh, or really down in the chapel, right across from the uh, right across from the fellowship hall. And uh, I just got some ideas and want to bounce some things off and want to do some different things. So it's going to be kind of neat. So, but I'll be telling you more about it uh, over the because we have uh, we have a lot of crossover. We have, believe it or not, a lot of our our singers up here who sing for you also sing in the choir. So I've just found that guys, whenever you're having a church, is that is different venues. Not everybody is the same venue. In fact, one of the hardest things to do is music. Because everybody's got a different opinion, okay? Uh, everybody thinks, well, you ought to, you know, you ought to sing out of the hymn book, and then the other people says, well, it ought to be a heavy metal concert, you know? It and it goes from one end to the other, and it's not ever going to be there. But I have just found that uh, that there's some neat things that we can do, and uh, and so if you're interested in that, I uh, just need you to come Wednesday night uh, and, uh, and we will, uh, we will meet in the chapel and, uh, there won't be any rehearsal. There won't be any things like that. It'll just be a meeting. And, uh, and if it's just me in the room, I'll know, uh, there wasn't anybody in here that wanted to be there, but, uh, but I'm looking forward to some neat things as we, uh, as we look at at, at ahead to the fall. All right. Good deal. If you got a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter three, Genesis chapter three. We have been in this series and today, let me go ahead and tell you about today. Uh, today is is going to obviously be very much politically incorrect, uh, but it 's also probably going to rub some people the wrong way uh, i 've just found that you know there's a certain part of our culture now that has moved away from the concept of who God is and if if there is still a concept Of who god is in our culture then he's definitely not one who would punish for sin and he's definitely not one you know he's this grandfather you know he's this grandfather in the sky and he's kind of like you know you show up to his house with all the grandkids right and he's like, oh, these grandkids, where, hey, let's see what we got here. And he starts handing out money, right? And, uh, if, and, and you know, the most amazing part of that to me is that that grandfather used to be my dad. And what happened to him? Because my dad was as tough as nails, but became a marshmallow with grandkids, Well, that is our culture's view. Those that believe in God, our culture's view is that God is a grandfather, a marshmallow. He's one that basically, oh, don't do anything to that kid. They're perfect kind of thing. But that's not the truth. It's just not the truth. And see, we live in a culture, guys, it's real important. We live in a culture that says well, if I believe it, that makes it true. I mean, I've, I mean, I've had people as I've shared with them before, and they'll look at me and say, "Well, I don't believe that," and, and, I, and I'm kind of, and I don't want to be ugly here, but it really doesn't matter what you believe. The truth is the truth, whether you believe it or not. And yet we have become so arrogant in our culture that we've become our own little gods in our own little life that if we say it's true, it's true to us. And if you say it's true to you, then it's true to you, even if the two are exact opposites. And it's madness. And so this will rub people the wrong way because especially if you're immersed in this culture and you've swallowed it hook, line, and sinker, this whole thought of, you know, you know, that, that everybody's right. So today is going to be an affront against that. But I do promise you this, it is the truth. Okay, it is the truth. You see, in our culture, it's just been real easy to, to, to just make everybody feel good about themselves, to tell them that what they're doing is, is not wrong, but it is right for them. Does that make sense? So today is going to be a tougher message but it is very liberating because it doesn't matter what you believe if it's not the truth. You see, you'll know the truth, the truth sets you free. Now, if you put your faith and trust in the truth, then that can have incredible positive impact in your life. But if you put your faith and trust in a lie, it can, just as much as the other can have positive, it can bring destruction into your life. Because it doesn't matter how much you believe it. If it's not the truth, it's not the truth. Interesting. So today is the, you know, we've been talking about Genesis, and everything is a first in Genesis, right? And today I just entitled the birthday of sin. That is sin that comes, it just comes in, it just comes into the world, and it's been a struggle ever since. And by the way, all of us, the Scriptures teach, and that's not hard for me to understand. That's not hard for me to see in evidence around me. is the, the sinfulness that, that lives in all of us. Sometimes we would really tried to hide it and mask it. At other times, our culture just tries to tell you, oh, that's not a sin. In fact, our culture doesn't even believe sin exists anymore. If you go up and ask somebody, in fact, if you go to pretty, it's, it's really gotten pretty sad. If you go to most any church, popular culture church, you're not going to hear the S word. You know what I'm saying? You're just not going to hear it. Why? Because they'll tell you, well, people don't want to hear that. I understand. Why would you want to hear that? But here's the question. Is it the truth? Yeah. Yeah. So, as fun as last week was, you know, talking about creation and marriage and God's made us different to make us one, this one is going to be liberating if you'll understand it and see it. So, So then most people, when you you bring up the word sin, they think it's some kind of religious thing. Sin is just the the wrong that obviously lives inside of all of us, which has made itself manifest in the world around us. I don't want to get too philosophical, but I want to go back to the beginning and just kind of walk through a couple of things and just let you see them. And And if you're like last night's crowd, you're going to say, you know, that's right. You know, that's right. So let's just, let's just take a look at it. Genesis chapter two, do don't, don't we're gonna be in three the entire time. But Genesis chapter two is, at this time of creation, at the very beginning, God was doing a lot of things, you know, a lot of things was different. It was utopic, really, Eden. Um, you know, sin doesn't exist, so pain didn't exist. and a lot of things didn't exist. But there was something that was interesting in chapter two, Genesis chapter two and verse 16. You didn't have the Ten Commandments. You only had the one commandment. I mean, how cool would that be? The one commandment. And that's all you had. And here it was, Genesis 2. It says, The Lord commanded Adam, saying, You, uh, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you don't eat that one. For in the day that you eat of it, you will, you will die. Okay? Future tense, conditional sentence. So when you think about, think about, there was only one command. Now, here comes the question that I'm asked the most, you know? Well, why, why would God even put that tree there? Right? Why would God even put that tree there to even tempt him, right? Well, here's the picture. God created Adam and Eve not to be robots, And if you don't have choice, you don't have freedom, right? I don't care if you live in a silk-lined jail cell and you're fed very well. It is still a prison if you don't have choice. Does that make sense? Choice is what makes us made in his image. The ability to have a mind that that can actually have personal choice and if you don't have the choice, then there is no freedom. And you are created to be free. And remember, the choices that we make, then we have the responsibility f- for how we make them. And our culture doesn't like to hear that either. Our culture does not like to hear consequences for bad choices you've made. And... And I understand that. That's not fun to hear. But, it, but is it the truth? Of course it is. But I would rather just not have to deal with that. Jeff, why are you bringing that up today? Because I can't tell you how important this is because I think it's the one thing that's killing us. This whole denial of that these things are even actually wrong anymore, much less the consequences. And what's happening is these huge consequences are coming into people's lives and hitting them like a brick. And they're wondering why are all these consequences coming? I'm just having a run of bad luck. And, and you look back and say, ah, oh, how blind can you be? Is that this is a result of the choices you've made. But it's, it's, you can't tell people that today. You'd be called judgmental or bigoted or some other word. So everybody keeps silent, right? Of the pink elephant in the room. Nobody's gonna say, "Well, the reason is because," right? So I want to walk through this today. This is this is it's, it's going to be incredible. I'm not trying to make it a downer because it is not. It is it is terribly liberating, but sometimes it's going to break the glass houses that sometimes we've built for ourselves, and that can be hard for people. But it is the best thing for you, even though it's not real fun. And my goodness, our culture is wrapped up in fun, right? Oh, if it's not fun, I don't want to do it, right? Okay, now, so let's take a look at it. Now, here's here's the picture in, in Eden and in, in this this birthday I'm going to talk about, uh, the the day that, that sin was born. Okay, let's talk about it then. And, uh, and again, I just wanted to reiterate this. In Eden, there was only one way you could sin. How cool would that be? There are thousands of ways today, but there's only one way. There is only one way. And, that's it. and you've got this entire forest that is yours, but there's only one that you can't. So you do have a choice. Because remember this, if there is no choice to hate, then there is never a choice to love. If there's no choice to disobey, then there's never going to be a choice to obey. You've got to get that peace. It just makes sense. If you don't have the choice of hating or disliking, then love is really not a choice, is it? I'll let that sink in a little. You will love God today because you choose to. I think that's an incredible thing. It is your choice. He has given you the choice. He's created you with that choice. It's amazing to think about. I've got to move on, all right? got to move on. We've got to get going. We've got to get started, right? All right, here we go. So let's just go down. I'm going to go down through this quickly. I took a little longer last night, but I'm going to go down through this quicker because I want you to see something. Number one is the dialogue, okay? The dialogue with the serpent. So you just have this conversation. And I want you to understand is that Eve really gets a bad rap here because... She's just the one talking, but you do understand, you'll find out in just a minute that Adam's with her the whole time. He just doesn't say anything. Okay, you'll find that one out in a minute. All right, so just hang with me here. So you have this picture here. Things were much different in this era. But I want you to think, it says there, a dialogue. It says now the, uh, obviously this is identified as as Satan himself. And uh, there's lots of different questions you might have about that, but that goes beyond what we want to talk about today. But anyway, he was more crafty than all the other beasts of the field the Lord God had made. And so they have this dialogue. And I find it amazing that even when Christ in the New Testament had this temptation, this dialogue, and you have these incredible parallels that if we have enough time in this series, I'd like to talk to you about them. These incredible parallels of, of Adam and, and who Christ is, and, and Adam and Eve and who Christ is. And, but when Christ had this temptation, much like the picture here, you have to remember that Jesus himself would only answer with Scripture. Right? Because the picture here is of, of doubt, fear and doubt, fear and doubt, fear and doubt. Satan's two greatest tools in your life. If he can ever get you fearful or ever get you doubtful, he can get you to do just about anything. All right. But it is still your choice. All right. We'll talk about that in a minute too. All right. So I want you to go, I want you to go. So number one, there was this dialogue. There was this dialogue. Number two is doubt. Take a look at verse two now again. All right. The one said to the serpent, uh, well, look at verse one. Let's get a good run and start so I don't skip anything. So there was this, there was this, did I, all right. Verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. The Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "Did God actually say?" Now think about that. Doubt. Two greatest, two greatest tools in the tool belt. Doubt being one of them. Did God actually say? And here, listen, listen to, listen to where this goes. You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Well, that's not what God said. It's not even close to what God said. In fact, she corrects him in just a minute. But see, there's this calling into doubt that, that God's word is God's word, that his command is his command. And whenever there's doubt, it's fertile ground for a lot of things. But I can't tell you that through the years, um, more doubt has been cast over one book than all the other books in in civilization civilization combined, and that's the Bible, the scriptures. I mean, it has been attacked more. It has been denigrated more. It's been laughed at more. It's been spurned. It's been all those things. It's it's authorship has been questioned. It's authority has been questioned, right? Right? It's acceptability has been questioned, especially in our culture today. And when you see it's also its accuracy, everything else, when you take a look at it, more doubt has been tried on the Scriptures than anything else, any any other thing. Why? Because if you have God's Word, you have truth. And if you have truth... There is something that you, is something you become responsible for. Now, I want you to hear this. This is, this is a powerful thought. Therefore, doubt. If I can get you to doubting anything in it, then eventually it's going to cause question to all of it. You know, I've had, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, you know, you know, well, Jeff, well, I'm, I, you know, I'll say to them something and they'll say, they'll say, well, I don't believe that. And I said, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe is the question, Great question. Is it the truth? Right. And then, and then, well, you know, I don't believe that. And then I'll ask them, I said, well, do you believe, do you believe that Christ came into the world? Do you believe that because of who he was and what he did at the cross that you can receive forgiveness and said, oh, absolutely. with well, all my heart. I said, well, where did you find that out? Well, from the scriptures, well, you've just cast doubt on on your picking and choosing what you like and don't like. And then you wonder why you've got so many problems and there's so many people around us confused. I want you to understand, if you ever cast doubt on what God has said, and that's exactly what happened here. Did God actually say? And it it was only one you know, one sentence with a comma. That, that was all it was. But it's incredible it's incredible how many like to dance around the subject of what it says. Because it is really clear in most cases. And there are some things that are that are mysterious. there are some things that we don't understand. But uh, obviously, when you when you begin to doubt, here comes the problem, okay? You have the doubt of God's word, which turns into the denial of truth. Take a look at this. This is this is incredible. Take a look now uh, if, uh, in verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the truth, uh, uh, eat of the fruit of the, of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. And then she goes on to say, neither shall you Uh, Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, there's something interesting about that. Did God ever say you can't touch it? The answer is no. No. So she has just added something to it. I have found that there are some huge things. When you begin to doubt something, if it fits what you want to do, then you'll begin to deny it. So you have then this picture. It's an amazing thing. I've watched it happen. I've watched people do this through the years. And believe me, you cannot talk to them. You'll hear people say things like, well, I don't believe God would ever Fill in the blank. Well, my God would never fill in the blank. And so they're just making stuff up over how they think and feel. So then what does that tell you about them? That tells you that they believe that they are their own source for truth. So they will believe that they are gods of their own little universe. They probably won't go that far, but it, 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 it is. It's what it is. They won't go that far, but what they'll say to you is, well, I don't believe, I don't believe God would do this, 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 All right? So here's the big one. Okay, I can give you thousands of these, but I, I'm, I'm going to run out of time if I don't watch it. Because there's something that's happening, there's something that you want to do, there's something that's in there, but you know, it's probably not what the Lord wants you to do, but you've got to be able to live with yourself, right? And so you begin to doubt this, you know, it's incredible how you begin to look at the scriptures and say, and say, oh, well, you know, that, that was for a different time and era and things have changed. And and I want you to know is that if truth is the truth, it doesn't change with time again, these things aren't fun to hear, but they are, they, are, they are real, right? And so you have this picture, okay? You have this picture then is, is that somebody wants to do something and they'll say to themselves, you know, well, I really believe with all my heart that God would want me to be happy. I mean, wouldn't he want me to be happy? I mean, I'm a parent and I want my children to be happy. And so wouldn't God want me to be happy? And I think this is what would make me happy. And then the doubting turns into denial because your own happiness, right, comes into play. Anytime I hear somebody say, I just think God would want me to be happy, I know they're they're really on the cusp of making a bad decision that never works out well, ever. Why? because you're having to deny some kind of truth and you're trumping it with the fact that you think god would want you to be happy and so you're heading down the same path here as what happened in genesis 3. it's amazing and it's happened to all of us it's incredible how all of us and no you're not going to listen to anybody but when you do that whenever you begin to add to or take away from god's word you have a mess you know, we have, we have whole groups today. We have whole groups today. We have a group today that has taken away from God's Word. And I'm not going to tell you who they are, but, but they knock at your door often. And, and the one truth that they, that they really, really destroy is that Jesus is Emmanuel. That is God with us. That is God in the flesh, right? And, uh, and when you take away that truth, everything else collapses. And then I would say half of the Christian denominations in our culture add to God's word. What do I mean by that? Well, just like, just like Eve did, it's easy to start saying, yeah, you need what Christ did for you. Yeah, you need that. But you also need, and then they have their own lists of things that you're supposed to do in order to be, in order to be right with who God is. And so when you put all these together, the add to, the subtracting, they're all they are all incredible attempts to, to, if you will, keep you from what God's truth is. And in this particular case, it's just real simple. Don't eat of that tree. And yet the more complicated you can make it, the more doubt that you can put on it. You know, it's an incredible thing to me like the guy came up to me last night after the service oh Jeff you should have told him the grapefruit story I said what are you talking about he said, don't you bear that story He said, yeah one time I I had to take some medicine and right on the right on the medicine that says you can't have grapefruit while you're taking this medicine well guys, I don't ever eat grapefruit but all of a sudden <laughs> I was craving a grapefruit does that make sense Because I was told that I couldn't have it. What is that about? There's something inside of us that you tell us we can't, and that's the one we can't think of anything else. Guys, it's we know it's there. We know it's there. And yet we struggle with some of these things. We really struggle with what we what we want to do. So the doubt. That turns in uh, that turns into denial, right? Because it says in the day that you that you eat it, you'll die. That's another thing that's the truth. The people that don't like you know, I just want you to hear this. Hell is a real place. It just is. Okay, now listen. Hang on. Hell, it's not politically correct. But it is what God teaches. You know, I hear people say, you know, God is too good to, have ever, to ever punish anyone. Okay, that's your truth, but it's not what the scriptures teach. Well, I don't believe it. Well, I, I don't care what you believe. Where's your source of information? Well, for me, well, great. That and a thousand other opinions, and we can all put them in a book and say Nothing. Does that make sense? I can't tell you how I was in school so long and I had to listen to so many blowhards. You all know what I mean? They just stand up and, oh, where are you now? And it comes down to it. The question is, if you don't believe it and you don't want anything to do with it, then fine. But if you want to understand and make some sense of this life and the creation around it, then you take a look at what it says. And I'm here to tell you the Scripture says and God is plain and he's clear. And the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. And it's the truth. And nobody likes to say it anymore because nobody, you know, well, people don't want to hear that. That's what people tell. That's what other, believe it or not, the pastors, teaches what well, people don't want to hear that. But is it the truth? Of course it's the truth. But God has the I mean, I think it's the reason that so many today don't see the need for Christ is because they don't understand who they are, what the scripture says who they are. Interesting. Interesting. So you're going to die. Death. Wages of sin is death. I mean, it's all over the scriptures. The scriptures talk a whole lot about it as a destination. People say God is too good. To punish, I, I think he's too good not to punish. Why? Because he's good, he's righteous, he's just. When you understand those things, it begins to make man's get serious. Number four is what I'm gonna call the delusion then that came in their minds. Now, this one is classic. I want you to think about verse four and listen real close because I'm about to speed up because I got a lot more to do. All right? But the serpent said to the woman, You're not going to die. You really think? God's a God of love. You're not going to die. He was just threatening you. You know, like sometimes a parent, you know, will say something, you know, oh, he he wouldn't ever do that, right? In fact, let me tell you this, Eve. He's trying to keep you from that because he knows that if you if you eat this, that your eyes will be opened. You see, he's really holding you back. Does that make sense? Your eyes will be open, and you're gonna be like God. Right? He's really holding you back here from being your best. He's keeping you from a whole lot of fun and enjoyment. Right? oh, I can't be a Christian, I can't give my life to God because look at all I'll miss out on. It's the same lie from the beginning. Guys, this lie's been told for years. I believed that lie for a good chunk of my life. And that's the way the party scene thinks. I know because I was part of it way back when. It's probably changed a lot different, but it's the same mindset. Somehow, One of the great delusions is that you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. Interesting, huh? It is really incredible when you take a look at it. Just how how interesting when when you put it all together. So, anyway, can we believe, can we truly believe that what God says is true? It's an interesting thing to think on. Because you're gonna to have to make the choice. Are you gonna live for yourself or are you gonna live for Him? That's why I try to tell people just simply saying a prayer doesn't do anything for you. Let me tell you something. If you're counting on some prayer you said back when you were a child, then you're fooling yourself. Because if your life is not His and you have no desire to follow Him and you only have a desire to follow yourself, you just We need to check. And I'm not trying to be ugly here. I'm just trying to get you to see. I'm trying to see what what is the truth here. Interesting. See, the great part about studying the creation is you start back with the creation. The one thing that you always go back to is this. When you look at this world around you, you can doubt a lot of things. But the one thing you can't doubt, well, some people do, but you have to just check your brains at the door to doubt it, is that this world we live in has a creator. And that's what we started with. And when you begin to walk through this, it begins to make sense to us. Number, number five, I got to move on. Desire is the desire in their hearts. So she looks down, and what does she see? Well, you've, you've had doubt. Uh, you've had denial, right? You have the doubt of God's word, the denial of God's word, right? Then you go into the delusion that you're somehow missing out, and that d- turns into a desire. I want you to understand that sin is always in the heart before it ever is in the action. That is why it is most, it's to, that's why the Bible says to take care of your heart. Take care of what's in here. If you can do that, then, 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 you can, then you can control most of who you are. It's an incredible thing. But what happened was, all right, take a look at the next verse. It says, when she saw that the tree was good for food, all right, therefore the Bible talks in another passage, lest of the flesh, lest the eyes, pride of life, lest the flesh. She saw it was good for food. Number two, lust of the eyes, that it was a delight to the eyes. And the, and the question is, a delight to the eyes? Well, you've got this whole forest, this whole garden of, you can have everything, and all of a sudden, this one, this one is, is, wow. And then it says, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Pride of life. In other words, look at what this is promising, Right? All right, so she took the fruit and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. He was there all the time. He just didn't say anything. That's why I think Eve gets a bad rap here. It's not that he, this guy was just innocent. Hey, honey, eat this. No, he's right there along the way. He just is not speaking up. He's not saying anything. He's complicit to it, obviously. Number four, number uh, number six. I got to move on. The decision that was made. This is when what's inside comes out, and obviously she. It's basically she said she, she ain't it, and I want you to understand this is that it was her fault. Now, when you read the rest of this passage, they each tried to blame each other, right? You know, which is still happening today. You know, he blamed her. She blamed, you know, the serpent and, and all the other stuff, you know. But in reality, I have found is that all the demons in hell can't cause you to sin. That is your decision. Personal responsibility, I can't tell you how huge it is. Nobody will take it, but it is so refreshing to me when somebody, I hear somebody say, I was Wrong Yes, I had people that influenced me. Yes, but when it came down to it, I was wrong. That's why the scripture talks about confession being so important. And I'm careful about the way I use the word confession, because that means so many different things. But commit, confession is just admit. Admit I was wrong. Interesting. A decision. a decision. Everybody today wants to blame someone else. We want to blame they, ran, they started running with a bad crowd. Uh, they had terrible parents. They had whatever. But you know, eventually, the man and the woman have to stand up and the little girl and the little boy have to sit down. You have to start saying, yes, I've had some bad breaks. Yes, I've had some bad influences. But it, it was my decision. I made it and it was wrong. I'm wrong. I'm telling you, there's great freedom in the truth that comes from that and the forgiveness that God offers. Number seven, the death that followed. You can read the rest of it, but I've got to move quickly. God says, in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Well, the great question came out, well, is that what happened? Well, it didn't look like they died. Well, what happened was, and this is why it's so important, is that is that their body ultimately died. Um, Their soul progressively died, but their spirit died immediately. Hey guys, obviously the body is, we talked about that, that you were created differently. There are three parts of you, body, soul, and spirit. Body is the house you live in. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. It makes up who you are. And your spirit, the spiritual part of us, that's the part that, that knows and can understand And have a relationship with God. Now, there's something interesting that we think about body, soul, and spirit. We think about these three things. The the body began to decay because of sin. The the soul uh, began began to go downhill also, but the spirit died immediately. What do you mean? Well, is that they were separated. Up to this point, there was a perfect relationship with the God who created them. But sin separated that relationship, and they were driven from Eden, if you want to read the rest of the passage and so you have then this this to me this incredible thought of what that of what that means now I'm going to take the next few minutes, I'm going to throw a lot at you, but I want you to this is this is going to this is going to make a difference if you begin to think about it well then what is it? Because if I've told you before, if you have an answer to death, you, you don't have any other problems. That is the culprit. Now, I want you to think a look. There's a, there's a popular passage, and, and we'll close with this. Ephesians chapter 2 is a powerful passage, but I want you to uh, but it goes all the way through verse 9. Now, verse 8 and 9 is often quoted, but a lot of times people don't take the opportunity to read 1 through 7 and explain it in such a way that it makes sense. But look at verse 1. It says, and this is Paul talking to the Ephesians. He says, and you were once dead in your trespasses and sins. Okay, we've got a, we've got a creation. Okay, We've got a Genesis 1 through 3 reference here because when they sinned, they died. They were separated from God. Do you know in the Bible that hell is defined most, not by flames, it is defined by that, heat, whatever, but the greater way to to define hell is being separated from the God who created you, which is what happened to them. And so it says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So he's talking to the Ephesians now, but he's making reference all the way back here, is that you are dead, not, not bodily, not in your soul, but in your spirit. You were dead in trespasses and which you once walked, okay, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power there, there there's the picture of the serpent, and then here's the same, same picture, right? The spirit that's now at work in those, the sons of disobedience, among whom all of you once lived, In the passions of our flesh, that is doing whatever we want to do, that whatever we thought would make us happy. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Isn't isn't that interesting? Body and mind. Does it mention spirit? Why? Because you're dead. For those of you who have ears to hear, I hope you're catching this. Because it's about to really make a whole lot of sense as I throw a lot at you. So hang on. Here we go. So carrying out the desires in the body and the mind. And we're by nature children uh, of wrath. What does that mean? That means mean we're ripe for judgment, ripe for punishment. Why? Because we're guilty. That's exactly what it's saying. I'm not making it up. But God, being rich in mercy, you will never ever be as grateful to God as you could be until you first understood who you are. Gratefulness to God is understanding who you are and what your destination would have been if it hadn't have been for him. The people who I know are the most grateful to who God is are the ones who can see that. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. So what was it that drove him? He loved you. That's the good news. Even you were wrong, he loved you. Even when what? We're Dead. Dead. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Look at this. Here we go. Here we go. He has made us what? Alive in Christ. That is, the spirit that was dead now has been made alive, so that you can have a relationship with the God who created you. Why? Your soul's still alive. You're alive today. Your body's still alive. Right? So, what's he talking about? See, have you ever understood why Jesus says, unless you're born? Again, what is he talking about? Most of the people don't even have any idea what he's talking about. Well, you know what he's talking about. That is that part of you that died, that spirit because of sin has been made alive, has been born again as another metaphor to use. Whatever metaphor you want to use, it all comes crashing together when you begin to understand the creation story. That is why I'm so thrilled to be able to do this with you over the last, over the last few weeks and over the next few weeks. Because it is so foundational. It's made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. And it says it raised him up and raised us up with him, right, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That is, means that it's like the Eden thought. It's even better than the Eden. We've been made right with him because of what he did at the cross. Why? Because sin brings death. Christ overcame sin, therefore overcame death on our behalf, therefore we can have a relationship with him. Read the book of Romans and some of the other things that talk about the first Adam and the second Adam, and all of some of those things we don't have time to talk about today. And you'll they'll begin to dawn on you. Well, that makes perfect sense, but only in the foundation of the creation. Wow. All right? And him in the heavenly places, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now, verse eight and nine then are just a summation. There are two of the most quoted verses in all of the Bible. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God to you, not of your own works. You can't ever be good enough for it so that no one can boast. Interesting. You know, I'm just about done. Let me close this up so that I know I'll be done. All right. I got one question to ask you, and this is, this is crowd response time. This helps me if you do, if you do this, right? And it's not a trick question. All right. What is it that a dead person needs the most? One, two, three. Life. You know, you can buy a dead person a brand new set of clothes. You can sit them up in a chair. And from what I hear, you can even get some of that glue stuff and you can make them smile. Right? You can clean them all up. But whatever you do for them, you can even baptize them. Knock yourself out. But hear this. There's one thing that that person needs more than anything else. Life. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Those who are dead in their trespasses of sin have been made alive in Christ. Wow. Does that make sense? When you, it's, 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 the, if you truly understand it, it, It's the best news you could hear. It's the best news you could hear. That's what makes Genesis. Because so much of what you've read in the New Testament you understand because of, I mean, it's because of Genesis. But as I close, if there's never been a time in your life, again, guys, I'm not talking, this is not a Baptist thing, Methodist thing, Catholic thing. It's your choice. Don't let other people's screw-ups keep you from making the right choice. But it is your choice only, and it's nobody else's fault if you don't choose. Well, you know, I went to a church, and they were a bunch of hypocrites. Well, we got a bunch here, too. If you're going to let hypocrites keep you from God, then that's your fault, not the hypocrites' fault. I just want you to see it. This is your choice. You don't have to join anything. You don't have to do anything. It is it's grace through faith. That's it. So if there's never been that time, I'll give you that opportunity to, to do that, just in your own heart. Or there'll be some pastors down here afterwards. Or there's a booklet that you can take with you that's, that's got a CD in it of a message I did that shares a little bit more about this. You can grab it on your way out. But if you are a believer here today, hey, come on up, Anthony. I'll hurry up if he's standing behind me. Um, If you are a believer today, two, three things I want you to take with you. Number one, I want you to leave rejoicing that you were so loved by the God of the universe, the God who created you, that he did what he did. And there's something about walking in that confidence that makes a difference. That this world doesn't have near as big of a pull to you of hey you're missing out if you don't have, you know, understanding who he is in your life. God bless you. All right. God bless you. All right. Let's all stand. We'll have a closing word of prayer. Uh, I'm headed to the guest reception. Anthony, come on up. And uh, if you'd like to come by and say hello to me. All right. And uh, I would love to meet you if you're visiting with us today. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Anthony, why don't you close it?